All right, it's good to be in the Lord's house today. It's good to see everyone. Uh, Those of you that are visitors with us today, we are especially glad that you're here. We trust that you'll just uh, make yourself to home and uh, open up your hearts and minds and hear what the Word of God has to say to us today. Let's take our Bibles, go to the book of Proverbs, chapter number one, the book of Proverbs, chapter number one. I'd have to say that um, the book of Proverbs is one of my favorite books in the Bible, uh, it has helped me in my life in so, so many ways. Uh, we have Bible reading calendars and Bible reading charts that we encourage you to go through the Scripture. Um, and in those uh, plans for Bible reading, not only do you go through the Bible uh, at least once during the year, but you go, you read basically a proverb every day. Uh, there are 31 Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. If you read today's, what, the 23rd, my goodness, February's almost over. So on the 23rd of February, you would read uh, Proverbs 23. And um, you say, well, what happens on February when you get to Proverbs 30? Well, you can either read two or you can just skip it and get it next month. It's all good, amen? But it is a good, uh, easy way to keep track of it, and I highly recommend that you spend a lot of time in the book of Proverbs. I promise you there will be some things that Solomon says that you won't have a clue what he's talking about. And many of those things you will um, you will find out and figure it out later. And uh, I can say that there are still some things that I haven't figured out yet, and maybe I will and maybe I won't. But I will say this, I've figured out enough out of the book of Proverbs that it's far more than I can put into practical application in my life. And so just keep reading and just keep learning. Proverbs chapter number one, verse number one, the Bible says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to receive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'd like to preach this morning on the subject, How to Stop Playing the Fool. Would you bow your heads with me as we ask the Lord's blessings on the message this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege to be here. Thank you for everyone that is in attendance today. We pray a special blessing upon all, uh, especially for our guests. Uh, We pray for all of those that are perhaps going to be listening to this message through uh, our website, those who are listening through the live stream on Facebook, uh, whatever the case may be, whenever this message is listened to, we ask that it would have the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon it, your blessings. We pray, Father, that the Word of God would find a place in people's hearts, that you would lead us to instruction and to correction and into wisdom. We pray for your blessings. We pray especially if there be anyone that is without Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We ask that you would speak to their heart and draw them, Lord. Show them their need as a sinner. 
show them that the solution to their sin problem is the cross of Calvary. We pray now that you'd help us to um, to make this message clear and plain as your spokesperson. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How to Stop Playing the Fool. I guess I could also title this message, Advice from a Former Fool. That doesn't mean that I don't still do foolish things. But I can say this, that I had a point in my life where I turned from living the life of a fool and I turned my heart and my life toward the Lord and started seeking God's wisdom as to how to live my life. And so this message is not just simply for fools, but it is for foolishness. I can remember as a parent that there were times as we were raising our children that our children did just like I did with my parents. Uh, They would tell me something that was wrong, or they would tell me what not to do, and I would repeatedly disobey, and they would have to repeatedly tell me or discipline me or try to correct me. And sometimes, as a parent, you just get frustrated. You think, I'm just beating my head against a brick wall. How many of you parents know what I'm talking about? All right. For those of you whose children are with you in this service tonight, no offense to you young people. But it is the case. Sometimes we get so frustrated because our children who need to hear and heed our wisdom, they just simply will not listen. The nature of a fool. By definition, the fool is a silly or empty-headed person. That's a dictionary definition, but... The Bible definition and description of a fool goes far beyond just the the dictionary definition. We could also classify the fool as a person who is characterized by foolish acts. Poor decisions. One who lacks wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. You know, if we repeatedly commit foolish acts, then at some point or another, we have to accept the fact that we are playing the fool. And although everybody does something foolish from time to time, I do know that there are people whose lifestyle and the direction of their life certainly can be characterized under the description of the fool of the book of Proverbs. And so to have help, and how to stop playing the fool, the first thing that we have to do is we have to recognize the foolishness that is in us. And so number one, I want to talk to you about the arrogance of a fool. Fools can be extremely proud. In fact, I would say that fools can be extremely successful. I read about a rich man in the New Testament, and Jesus was telling this story about this rich man who His crops were plenteous, and he said, I'm going to tear down all of my old insufficient barns, and I'm going to build new ones and bigger ones. And he gathered in all of those crops, and he looked at it, and he said, wow, I'm just going to take take my ease, and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry because I've got all this stuff. I don't even have to worry about it. And you know what the Lord said about that successful, I mean, highly successful businessman? He said, thou fool. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Now listen, I've had people call me a fool before, but if God calls you a fool, you're a fool. 
And so you can be highly successful in this world and still be a fool in God's eyes. The first thing, number one, the fool doesn't know that he is a fool. The book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You know, the Bible talks about the children of Israel in the book of Judges that literally were playing the fools. You think about all that God had done for Israel. I mean, He delivered them from the bondage of Egypt, from Pharaoh and his army. I mean, you're talking about the army on planet Earth. If there was a Cold War in Pharaoh's day, Egypt was the winner. They had the biggest army. They had the most chariots. I mean, they were the world ruler. And they were taken down by the God of Israel. He parted the Red Sea. They crossed over in dry land. He provided them miraculous food every single day. He provided them fresh water out of a rock. And the list could go on and on and on as all that God had done for them. And within literally months after they crossed over into the land of Canaan, they began to stray. I mean, their heart really never did fully get in with God. Foolishness, foolishness, foolishness. And in the book of Judges, there's a statement that really describes that entire time period. It says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And you know, that's the way that most everybody lives their life. They do that which is right in their own eyes. I lived my life that way as a teenager. But some 35 years ago, I recognized the fact that I was doing that which was right in my own eyes and I was basically leading myself down the pathway of destruction. And by the grace of God and by the help of praying loved ones who were praying over me, God got through this thick, uh, arrogant skull of mine and I recognized the fact that I needed to start doing that which was right in God's eyes. The fool, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Secondly, the fool is confident. Proverbs 14.16 says, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. Fools can be very, very confident. The Bible says that David, King David, was a man after God's own heart. But David yielded to the lust of his flesh when he saw Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop. And isn't it amazing how that God can take one, I mean not God, but the devil can take one temptation and turn a man who's after God's own heart to living the life of a fool. The Bible says David saw her bathing. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have pornography in those days, but he literally saw her and he wanted her and he devised this plan so that he could get her. And you know what? David from that moment began to play the fool. Now that, that term playing the fool, it sounds so, you know, kind of, well, everybody kind of plays it. No, it is a horrible thing that David did. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had her husband executed by, 
through a, a military plan. And the Bible says that, you know, it, it's interesting. When David did all of that, lightning didn't strike. You ever seen people do horrible things? And it just seems like that they're getting away with it. They seem, they seem fine. I, I've always scratched my head and I've wondered about that. You know, sometimes people will do such horrible things that you almost don't want to get near them for afraid that you'll get struck by residual lightning. But you know, God doesn't... Listen, we always reap what we sow. And God does have a smite button. But oftentimes, the smite doesn't happen until much later. And people can look and say, oh, they committed a horrible thing and they're getting away with it. David, in his own heart might have thought that he was getting away with it. But I tell you what God did. He sent Nathan, the man of God. And Nathan brought to David some wisdom. He knew the way to David's heart. He knew how to shake David at his soul. And he started telling him a story about a wayfaring man and a man who had all of these sheep. And the wayfaring man came in and the man didn't slaughter one of his own sheep, but he took his neighbor's lamb little lamb that was like, I mean, basically like a child, and he had that man's precious only little lamb slaughtered to feed this wayfaring man. David, having a shepherd's heart, here's this story that Nathan tells, and David says, that man's worthy of death. <laughs> Don't you know that Nathan the prophet, that he's just, he's just grinning inside while while David is raging in confidence that he had this sense of righteousness. And Nathan, when David got done with his raging confidence, Nathan said, Thou art the man. David, you did to Uriah exactly what that man did to that little lamb. And you know that David realized, I mean, you talk about eyes wide open, David recognized at that very moment the convicting power of the Holy Spirit opened up his eyes, and I guarantee you he realized, wow, what a fool I have been playing. And you know, David, according to Psalm 51, David repented and he got right with the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I, I love to see and hear about sinners getting right with God. Sinners repenting. And I don't mean just saying that they're sorry. I'm talking about turning away from their sin like David did. David knew what he had done was wrong. But listen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can play the fool and you can be confident and you can think, oh, I'm okay, everything's all right. But when the light of the Word of God comes shining into your life, you may realize that you've just been playing the fool. Number three, the fool asks advice, but never, I guess I would add never or seldom, takes heed to it. Proverbs 17, verse number 16 says, Wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he hath no heart to it? He's got money in his hand, and he's willing to pay somebody to give him advice. That sounds like the modern person who goes to the counselor or the psychologist and they will pay literally thousands of dollars in order to get people to shrink their head 
And really, all they need to do is just take heed to the counsel of the Word of God. I've been frustrated as a pastor when people have come in and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you about this problem. And boy, they'll tell you their problem, and then you start telling them, that, you know, here's what you need to do, and you can just sense right off the get-go that they really aren't interested in your wisdom or counsel. And, and they almost look at you like, what are you doing? I, I, I just came here so that you'd listen to me. And, and then many times it's like, well, I, I want you to listen to me and then figure out what I want to hear and then tell me what I want to hear. Which, by the way, sounds like the average pulpit in America today. Listen, you don't want a preacher or a pastor that tells you what you want to hear. You want a preacher or a pastor that tells you what thus saith the Lord, because that's the only thing that can help. Wherefore, is there a price in the hand of the fool? Sometimes the fool wants to tell you their problems, but all they're really interested in is feeling better about it. They, they want you to correct their problems, but they're not interested in correcting the behavior that created the problem. That is the fool. Number four. The fool never applies the truth to himself. Oh, the fool can look at everybody else and figure out what they need to do. But Proverbs 26, verse number 9 says, As a thorn goeth into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. What's a parable? A parable is like a sermon. A parable is trying to teach somebody what's right and what's wrong. Boy, that fool will look at everybody else's problem and knows what they need to be doing, but just like that drunkard, that thorn goes in his hand. He's so drunk and he's so numb, he doesn't even feel it. That is a characteristic of the fool. Number five, the fool puts too much trust in his own heart. By the way, the book of Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Boy, one of the worst things that you can do is follow your heart. The Bible teaches that we're supposed to lead our heart, not follow our heart. Proverbs 28, 26, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. You know what the fool will do? The fool will make one of the dumbest decisions that he could possibly make, and he just feels so good about it. Well, I just don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I, I feel just fine. It doesn't bother me at all. Kind of like Jonah. You know, God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach and tell them to repent. And Jonah didn't want to. Jonah wanted God to judge Nineveh. And Jonah's like, I don't want to do that. And so what did he do? He went and he just, just happened to find a ship that was going to Tarshish. Oh, must be providential. How about that? Here's a ship going to Tarshish. God didn't really mean that because he provided this ship. So Jonah gets in the ship and they go out on the sea and Jonah feels so good about his decision that he's fast asleep in the bottom of the ship. He's, he's made the dumbest decision that he's ever made and he's at peace with it. How many times as a pastor have I heard people who made foolish decisions say, well, pastor, I know what you think about this, but I'm at peace with it. I just got peace in my heart that this is 
the right thing to do. I got news for you. The fool puts too much trust in his own heart. We better be careful that we don't base our decisions on how we feel about it, but rather did it go contrary to the wisdom of the Word of God. So there you have the um, the arrogance of the fool. Secondly, number two, I want to talk to you about the tongue of a fool. Do you know that Jesus said that from the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaketh? What comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what is in our heart. Now, I'm like you. There's been times where I've said things that uh, in reflection or in repentance, I've said, look, I, I shouldn't have said that, or I didn't, I didn't mean to hurt you, or so forth. We've all said words that we wish that we hadn't have said, but the reality of it is, at some degree or another, at least at that moment, that what comes out of our mouth is what we are thinking in our heart. That's dangerous territory, folks. The fool, number one, cannot control his tongue. Proverbs 29.11, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. The fool has no filter, no restraint. If it enters the mind, then it comes out the mouth. I remember uh, shortly after, just a few days after my mother, she um, she had cancer and the, the cancer um, um, metastasized. Is that the right word? It Yeah, it she ended up with a tumor right here at the the base of her skull. And so they had to have that tumor removed. And so um, right after that surgery, they had her on high levels of prednisone. And boy, she was where that tumor had made her so just cloudy in her thinking. And she couldn't even complete sentences because her brain would just shut down in the middle of a sentence. Uh, One time, uh, me and my sister we're uh, sitting on the couch and she's sitting in her chair and she started to tell us something. And she got about halfway through the first sentence and then she just stopped. And then she couldn't remember it. And she looked at us and she just goes, oh, just forget about it. <laughs> and we're like, we didn't bring it up. <laughs> we don't even know. <laughs> but anyhow, she had that surgery and this prednisone and medicine, it's like all of a sudden now her brain was functioning at a high capacity. And literally, while we were in the rehab with her, if it entered here, there was no filter and it was coming out of her mouth. And there were things, I mean, she she just was, she was witnessing to everybody. And she would witness uh, one moment and then the next thing we'd be going, oh, I can't believe she said that. And we realized that it was medicine. But I mean, we're, we're just kind of standing there watching this. It's like, wow, there is absolutely no filter whatsoever. But you know what? There are people who live their life that way. They have no filter. They have no restraint. And uh, that's the worst thing that we can do is utter all of our mind. Secondly, the fool does not mind his own business. Proverbs 20, verse number 3, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. You know, gossip is an impossible sin to hide because you're talking to people. You're exposing your gossip every time that you gossip. It's kind of like your secret sin. You wouldn't want that put on the church bulletin board, now would you? 
Nobody would want that. Gossip is one of the most foolish sins. You uh, take back in the Civil War that uh, they would take the coward and they would put, they would literally brand them on the forehead with the branding iron and the letter C so that everybody that saw that soldier would recognize the fact that they are branded as a coward. Do you know that if you are a gossip and you're always meddling in other people's business, you cannot hide your sin. You might as well just brand a G on your forehead because everybody is going to know that you're a gossip. Did it get chilly in here? It's just good advice. If you don't want your sin to be found out, certainly don't be a gossip because everybody is going to recognize it. Number uh, number three, the fool creates contention or he dives into the same contention. Proverbs 18, verse 6, a fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes. A fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. And so the fool is always sowing discord or diving into contention or discord that has already been started. You know, as a pastor, often we talk about church gossip and church division and church discord. But you know, it's not just relegated to uh, the church house. I mean, there are homes that are filled with contention. You've got mamas who are spouting off about dad to the kids. You've got dads who are spouting off about mama to the kids and vice versa and so forth and all of this division and things that are being said that ought not be said. How about the workplace? If you've ever worked at a plant or a factory, wow, workplace gossip and contention and discord is such a commonplace. Boy, you'll hear rumor mill and you'll hear rumors about the direction that the company's going. Uh, somebody will start some kind of discord and they'll make you feel like that the company's getting ready to declare bankruptcy and you better start looking for a job. And the list could go on and on and on. And at the root of it is seldom any truth. It's usually just a bunch of fools that are running their mouth trying to feel important and saying things that they don't even know what they're talking about. And even if they did know what they were talking about, they probably shouldn't be saying it. Number four, the fool is proud of his short fuse. Proverbs twelve sixteen: a fool's wrath is presently known. Boy, the fool is not necessarily ashamed of his quick anger. He's almost proud of it, like, uh, I got a short fuse, and so you better watch out if you cross me. I've got a quote here that I, I love this quote. I, I don't know who said it, but uh, I've repeated it many, many times. You ready for it? The people who wish to give you a piece of their mind are the ones with the least to spare. Pretty good, isn't it? I've always liked that one. And so we've got the arrogance of the fool. We've got the tongue of the fool. And number three, before we, last point before we talk about solutions, I want to talk about the stubbornness of a fool. Number one, the fool sees consequences and continues anyway. Proverbs 7 is a very heartbreaking passage of Scripture. 
It talks about a young man who went the wrong place at the wrong time. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't ignorant. Uh, Temptation attacked him, but he was pretty much putting himself in harm's way. And after that uh, uh, adulterous woman, after that harlot came out and seduced this young man, the Bible says in Proverbs 7.22, He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. He knows that it's going to come back and haunt him. He knows that It's going to cause him suffering, but he wants it so bad that he just goes and does it anyways. The fool cannot say no to his own fleshly desires. I think about Judas Iscariot in the Bible. And the Lord, before Judas ever betrayed him, the Lord said to Judas, He said, What thou doest, do quickly. Don't you find that interesting that Judas knew that Jesus knew, and yet he still went and did it anyways? You know why? Because he was the fool. How about Balaam, the prophet in the Old Testament, that the king of Moab hired him to curse the nation of Israel, and Balaam said, I can't curse whom God's blessed. And the whole thing was just a, this, this drama between the king uh, Balak, the king of, of Moab, and Balaam, the prophet, the man of God. And all of this, God told Balaam what to do, and Balaam still wanted that glory and those riches that the king of Moab was offering him. And Balaam just kept trying to figure out a way, a loophole. He, he knew that he couldn't bless them because God was, or he knew he couldn't curse them because God was blessing them. But Balaam did everything he could to figure out how that he could get his way and still not make God mad at him. And by the way, that never works. God knows what is in our heart. And Balaam figured out a way to kind of soothe his conscience and justify his actions. But when it was all said and done, the Lord was displeased. And it not only cost Balaam his life, but in the New Testament, Balaam is used as an example of idolatry. Even though Balaam was a powerful, powerful man of God, he was corrupted because he started to play the fool. He wanted something so bad that he lost his integrity and he lost his loyalty to God. Number two, the fool thinks that he's the exception to every rule. Proverbs 14.16 says, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. We've already seen that. But that fool is confident and he sees, he thinks that he's going to get away with it. He knows and understands that everybody else seems to get caught, but he thinks that he is the exception to the rule. And I could go on and on. We could do a whole lesson on this point. There are certain things that are just foolish to do. And that fool sees that scheme and sees that plan and he thinks kind of through rose-colored glasses that, well, it might have been a disaster for them, but I'm going to make it work. Don't ever think 
that you're the exception to the rule because that's why they call it the rule. Number three, the fool never learns his lesson. Proverbs 17, verse number 10 says, A reproof entereth more into a wise man than an hundred stripes into a fool. I mentioned at the beginning of this message how that I spent around four years of my life playing the fool. How many times, how many times did I go home on a Saturday night, one, two o'clock in the morning, lay there in my bed, thinking about God, thinking about the guilt that I felt, saying, oh God, please forgive me, I'm never going to do that again, only to return to that same sin within a week's time. Proverbs 26, verse number 11, as the dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. The fool just doesn't seem to learn his lesson. He just keeps going in that same direction. And so now that we have recognized at least a handful of evidences of foolishness in our life, I want to take and I want to give you some of the most important advice that can be given. And I'd like to talk to you about some Bible solutions for the fool. I'm glad that we don't have to be stuck living the life of a fool. I'm glad that there's hope. You know, there is hope for the fool, by the way. The book of Proverbs talks about the scorner and doesn't give really any hope for the scorner. The person who just gets to the point where they scorn God and they scorn righteousness, God says, just cast them out. There's nothing you can do for them. There's no hope. But praise the Lord, there is hope for the fool. And... Uh, the first one, number one, is listen to wise instructors. Proverbs 15, verse number five says, A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. My brother-in-law, Brian Johnson, when I was in that rebellious teenage time of my life, my brother-in-law, he loved me enough on several occasions that he would pull me aside and he'd say, Randy, you know what you're doing is wrong. And boy, at the time, I just, I thought he's just holier than thou. He's judging me. He's just self-righteous. And I had all of the same stereotypical venom toward him. It's like, who does he think that he is? And I'd start thinking about every imperfection in his life. And I go, he's not perfect either. And boy, whenever I'd catch him in making a mistake or doing something that was less than perfect, I'd begin my, <laughs> yeah, he ain't perfect either. But you know what? When I got right with the Lord, I recognized that my brother-in-law wasn't trying to hurt me. He just loved me enough to try to help me. He loved me enough to tell me the truth. Don't play the fool. Listen to wise instructors. Value people who will tell you what you need to hear rather than those who tell you what you want to hear. Secondly, develop some new appetites and cravings. 
you know, the, the life of a fool, there are certain sinful behavior things that become a way of life. Uh, you could call them addiction. They may be an addiction. I mean, when I was, when I was living the life of the fool, there were certain sins that I loved them so much that it was as if I was addicted to them. Cause I just had to have it. Even though it was hurting me, even though, you know, it's, it's like you go out and you party with your buddies and then you spend all the rest of the night puking your guts out. It's like, how dumb is that? You know, oh, that's just living the life. No, that was foolish. And I knew that it was, it was killing my body. It was harmful. Not to mention the trouble that I got into, the foolish things that I said and did, things that, I mean, they, they will haunt me for the rest of my life. And the pleasure of that sin, as I look back on it, I thought, wow, what a fool was I. Because the pleasure is never worth the, um, the consequences. Proverbs 15, verse number 14 says, The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. Develop some new appetites, some new cravings. Listen, start craving the Word of God. Man, I can, when I was living the life of a fool, I would sit in church and I'd be thinking about my foolishness. And I had no appetite for the preaching of the Word of God. But when I got right with the Lord, you know what I found? I found that when the sermon was ended, I'd be sitting there going, Oh no, it's over. I want more. Man, I had a, I had a job in a machine shop. One of the, not, nothing wrong with working in a machine shop. Jones family. But my job was vapor blasting parts. Oh, I would rather take a beating. I mean, you're standing there and you've got this big box, this machine, and it's got two holes right here in a window. And in these holes is like built-in rubber gloves. You stick your arms in there. You look through the window. There's a hose that uh, it's got sand and water. Then you've just taken, it's just shooting the sand on the part, getting all the carbon off of it. And you're doing this all day long. I mean, didn't take any brains. That's probably why they put me doing it. But it's like, oh my goodness. You know what? The whole time, now I had just gotten right with the Lord. I couldn't wait till break time because when I got, when it was break time, I would take my little green Gideon's New Testament out of my shop shirt and I would sit there at the break room and I would devour the Word of God. And man, when break time was over, it wasn't that I was sad because I had to go back to work. Well, maybe a little. But it was like, now I've got to put my Bible up. And boy, the whole time that I'm vapor blasting, it's like that Bible's right there. And it's like, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be reading the Bible. You know what that was? That was a new appetite. That was a new craving. Because I had realized that I'd been playing the fool and I wanted to play the, not play, I wanted to live the life of the wise, and I knew that I needed to find out what the Word of God said for myself. I grew up in church my whole life. I was in Sunday school, but I sat there and I just endured it, and I didn't listen, I didn't apply. It was just like, I can't wait till this is over so I can go home and watch football. But when my heart chose Christ, over my sin, a new appetite began to develop. 
Boy, what a wonderful thing. Develop some new appetites and cravings. Number three, hang with the right crowd and make some new friends. Proverbs 13, verse number 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Why is that? Because the the fools are going to drag you into their foolish lifestyle, and the result of that foolish lifestyle is always, inevitably, destruction. You want to walk as a wise man? Then start hanging around wise people. I'm going to say that again because it needs to be said again. If you want to be wise, then start hanging with wise people. Because if you hang with foolish people, you are going to be just like them. I guarantee you, there is no escape. Uh, Birds of a feather flock together. And uh, if you want to see what you are, don't look in the mirror. Look at the people that you like to hang out with. I have known many a Christian that got right with the Lord that said, you know what? I need to make some new friends that encourage me to do right. It's going to be awkward for a while. I mean, you're going to have some things that you're used to relating to certain things and you're going to have to make some changes, but stick with it and be faithful. And I guarantee you, you will not regret the decision of avoiding the fools and hanging around the wise. Number four, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Just thought I'd be very plain and simple. We've talked about the tongue of the fool. There's uh, times when we just need to remember that a closed mouth gathers no feet. Proverbs 17, verse 28, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Number five, Admit to your need, ask God for help, and then follow through with what He shows you. In the book of James, this is, I think, the only passage outside of the book of Proverbs. The book of James has been labeled as the Proverbs of the New Testament. James said, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. He doesn't just give you a teaspoon, He gives you a bucket load and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. What does that mean? That means when we say, God, I don't know what to do, show me, then when God shows us, and it's not what we were hoping to hear, we by faith say, okay, God, you know what's best. I'm going to do what you said whether it makes sense to me, whether it's what I want to do, I'm going to follow your counsel because I asked and you answered. And then the Bible says here, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. He's unstable. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Listen, if you want a solution for playing the fool. Ask God to show you what you should do. You know, I've known people 
that we're going the wrong path and they said, God, what should I do? And God said, well, first of all, you need to get in my word. Secondly, you need to start praying. Thirdly, you need to be faithful to church. You need to put yourself in a place where that pastor can preach to you and rebuke you and reprove you and exhort you and encourage you to do right. Listen, I don't know of anybody that's ever been a really solid, faithful Christian unless they've been faithful to church. Now, yeah, you can be, you can be faithful to church and not be a faithful Christian, but it doesn't work the other way. And I know what people say, well, you know what, I can, I can worship God out on the, out on the lake just as well as I can in the church house. You know what? <laughs> You're playing the fool. Playing the fool. You've kind of convinced yourself of that, but I've never seen anyone that wasn't faithful to church that was faithful to the Lord. In conclusion, Psalm 14, verse number 1, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. I want you to notice here that David says that the fool has said in his heart. doesn't say that the fool said it with his lips, but rather the fool said it in his heart that there is no God. I've known many people, and perhaps maybe there's someone in the audience today that uh, if you were asked point blank, do you believe in God, with your lips, you would answer, oh yeah, absolutely, I believe in God. But in your heart, your lifestyle and the way that you live your life would betray your lips and your heart would show that you really don't believe in God because you're not living like you're going to stand before Him someday. We sang this song in our young adult Sunday school class this morning. It's entitled, Only a Sinner Saved by Grace. The second verse really stood out to me because the author of this hymn says, Once I was foolish and sin ruled my heart, causing my footsteps from God to depart. Jesus hath found me, happy my case, I now am a sinner saved by grace. The biggest fool is the one who rejects Christ in favor of sin. Ladies and gentlemen, stop playing the fool. If you're not saved, receive Christ as your Savior today. If you've been listening to your own heart, if you've been listening to the counsel of the world, quit listening to the world and start listening to the wisdom of the Word of God. As we read at the beginning of this message, the Bible says here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Stop playing the fool and get your heart and life right with God. Would you bow your heads as we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, I'd like to say, first of all, thank you for delivering me from the life of a fool. Lord, I recognize that since that day, I've done many foolish things. But Lord, I thank You that I've not been on that foolish path that I was in my teenage years. 
I thank you, Lord, that you got through uh, my stubbornness and my thick-headedness while I was still a young man. I cannot imagine how much heartache and grief that you spared me by getting through to me. But Lord, I give you all the glory and the honor. And Lord, uh, we're getting ready to open up the invitation to every listener today. And Lord, no doubt in a congregation this size, there is someone that's been playing the fool. Someone that this message was specifically for. Lord, I want to ask you for that soul, that person, God, that you'd help them, Lord, to come to their senses and to stop playing the fool and start listening to the Word of God. I pray that you'd give them the grace to follow through, to do what they need to do. Lord, to start following the advice and the wisdom that you have provided for us. I pray for that soul that is nearest hell without Christ. I pray that they'd be saved before they leave this place. And Lord, for the, the, the child of God that's saved, but has allowed foolishness into their life, I pray that you'd lead them to a place of repentance and a right relationship with you. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.